Hi there, and welcome back. Happy New Year to all of you. I hope that you all had some time off or at the least had some time to slow down and take some good care of yourselves these last few weeks. It is indeed the first week of the new year. And chances are, whether you like it or not, you are thinking about New Year's resolutions. Even if you're not interested in having one, I bet it's on your mind. Because let's face it, that's what the talk is all about this time of year. It's all about the New Year's resolution. Well, let me tell you my feeling about it. I think New Year's resolutions suck. First, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever had a New Year's resolution? I'm going to guess that all of you at some point in time have. Now, I wonder how many of you have actually kept your New Year's resolution? Now, before you go on feeling about bad about yourself, let me share that only 8% of people keep their New Year's resolutions. That means 92% of people do not. So if you fall into that category, don't feel bad because I did too, back when I did keep resolutions. But as much as I don't love resolutions, I have to say that I do love a fresh start. I love the newness of new things like new running shoes, new journals and spiral notebooks, new toothbrushes. There's something about a fresh start that feels, well, fresh. And there's a certain energy in that. So how can we capitalize on that energy without falling into the trap of a New Year's resolution? Well, there are some lessons that we have learned in habit change that could help. Now, I want to remind you that this guidance that I'm about to offer, as always, is data-driven and evidence-based. As always, my guidance is based on data. And I share that because this guidance is going to go against your tendencies. It's going to go against your knee-jerk reaction to change. But I'm telling you, our tendencies and knee-jerk reactions are ineffective. Remember, 92%. So here's the evidence. Tip one. My first tip is start small. I know, I know you are all excited, fresh slate and all, and you want to do everything. Floss every night, follow your optimal skincare regimen, meditate, exercise, and of course, lose 10 pounds. You are not alone. But when you try and do too much at once, you are setting yourself up for failure. Besides, remind yourself that small steps amount to big change. For example, you may think that one or two pounds per week is not enough weight loss, but think about it. And I have said it before, two pounds per week, equals eight pounds per month, equals 20 pounds every quarter. Seriously, are you telling me that's not enough? Remember that small changes add up to big change. And also start small in terms of the things that you wish to change. So consider making a list of all the things in which you choose to tackle the flossing, the meditating, the exercising, the journaling, all the things, and then choose the thing you wish to tackle first. 
and give yourself time to truly commit and to settle into that practice and that habit. I don't recommend that you go on to the second thing on your list until you have really cemented that first habit into your lifestyle. Remember, the goal is to make durable, lasting change, not quick and undurable or ineffective change. You don't want to start flossing in January and then by February be done with it. That does you no good. So if you want to make flossing, meditating, exercising, journaling, a regular part of your life, start small and be consistent because that is far more important than being big and fast because big flames fizzle. Tip two, you don't have to be perfect in order to be effective. Can you say that out loud with me? I don't care if you're listening to this podcast at the gym or while you're at work or while you're on a walk at a park and people are nearby listening to you. Say it with me. You don't have to be perfect in order to be effective. So let's stick to the flossing example. What happens if you miss a day or two or three? Are you condemned to rotting teeth and a life of dentures? No, you just pick right up where you left off. It's the same with healthy eating or exercise or anything else for that matter. Common scenario. So you go about your routine, your new habit change, and you quote, slip up on a Friday. And then you say to yourself, well, I screwed up anyway. So X, Y, and Z. And usually that means you completely fall off the wagon. No, you did not screw up because you indulged in that one meal. You did not screw up because you slept through that one workout or missed that one night of flossing. You do not need to be perfect in order to be effective. And it is not so much that quote slip up that matters. It is the moment after. What happens in the moment after? What do you do in that moment after? Which leads us to tip three, and that is to be kind to yourself. Now, this one is a tough one because we like to get on our own case. And even if we don't like it, it's our habit. It's our habit to badger ourselves, to talk down to ourselves, or to try and motivate ourselves through shame or bullying. Brene Brown, who many of you may know, if you don't look her up, she's phenomenal, says, you can't shame your way into change. You can't shame your way into change. And I want to add to that, you cannot bully yourself into change either. This is not just the nice thing to do, being kind to yourself. It is the effective thing to do. Consider the example we started, the one in which you skipped a night of flossing or overindulged that one Friday night or slept through a workout. Once again, if you take it in stride, you will be much more likely to resume the habits the next day. But if you catastrophize it, which is our tendency as humans, if you speak badly to yourself, tell yourself you ruined it, you fell off the wagon, you screwed up, 
yada, yada, yada. Well, you know the drill. You're going to quit. Catastrophizing, negative speaking, negative thinking, negative labeling results in sabotage. So trust me, be kind to yourself. It's much nicer and it's much more effective. Last tip, and maybe this should have been the first, dare to imagine your greatness and dare to imagine your potential and stop freaking labeling yourself. I often ask patients in the office, what would you do if you had unlimited time or money and no barriers existed? What would you do? I recently asked one of my patients this question and she says, I would love to paint. She went on to describe how she was painting with her cousin's child and how fun it was and relaxing and enjoyable. And then she says, you know, but I'm not good at painting. And I was like, what does that even mean? And she says, I'm just not a painter. What? First of all, who cares? Are you selling your art to an art dealer? Is your art going to be the means of which you make a livelihood? Are you submitting it to an art competition? Who really cares that it's good or not good? Secondly, what does it even mean to say, I'm not a painter? Says who? Who decides who is a painter, a writer, a runner, an artist, a whatever? Who labels you? The answer is you label you. And when you label you, you limit yourself and you limit your possibilities. So once again, take out your list of things, your to-do list, your so-called to-do list, and dare to imagine big things for yourself. Dare to imagine big. Remember that these goals don't need to be fixes because you don't need fixing. Expand your vision of goal setting or even New Year's resolutions, if that's how you want to think about it, to all of the possibilities it contains. And who knows, by the next time we meet, you may have learned how to knit or speak Japanese. I hope that this health bite has given you some food for thought. Be well this week, podcasters. It's great to be back with you. And please join me next week when we'll be continuing the theme of helpful and evidence-based strategies for habit change. If you loved what you heard and you want to learn more, I encourage you to visit my website at dradrianudim.com. I have a bunch of resources there, including uh, opportunities to sign up for my weekly newsletter. You can also view previous podcasts. You can look up and download the first chapter of Hungry for More, a comprehensive guide to addressing emotional and spiritual hunger in which I share personal experiences, patient stories, and the science behind them. You can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Adrian Udeem, where I leave daily goodies, tips, and hopefully inspiration. So here's to an excellent week, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then.